più Zet International Zendition What good is sitting alone in your room Come hear the music play Life is a cabaret old chum Hello and welcome to Queer and Now, the Talk Film Society podcast, where we take you on a time-hopping journey through queer cinema, going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. So we are up to 2014, and we are going to be covering the movie Pride, and I'm here with my co-host, Manish Mother. Manish, you ready? are you ready to have some pride, finally? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm very, very prideful right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Pride's a 2014 uh, British film uh, written by Stephen Beresford and directed by Matthew Warkus. And it's essentially about the confluence of um, lesbian and gay activism and the British minor strike in 1984, which, like, honestly, Manish, before I saw this movie in 2014, I knew nothing about this. Like, of course, I knew uh, gay rights in Great Britain during this time because of who was leading the country were not great. Uh, That should not be a big surprise. Um, But this this kind of Venn diagram of of people abused by Margaret Thatcher uh, was a really interesting watch and something that as you watch it, if at least for me, if someone told me like, oh, this is totally made up for the movie, this isn't real, I would have an easier time believing that because like these two groups of people don't seem like the groups that would work together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's like what I like about this movie the most is that, you know, it brings these two groups together who are like both ostracized in their own way and both kind of mistreated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's like one of those like stranger than fiction type stories. Like when I first saw the trailer back in the, you know, back in the 2014, I was like, it just seems so like hacky. But then I realized <laughs> that it was actually a true story. And I was like, oh, wow. That's, I mean, it's the kind of thing that's like very, um, very hard to believe. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, but it, I I liked the movie and I thought it was a great, great story. So yeah, and just to put things in context for other queer film at the time, we actually, for 2014, there were quite a few choices. I mean, the things that stand out to me as far as 2014 are Foxcatcher, um, The Imitation Game, Love is Strange, and The Normal Heart. So we had a lot of options, but I, in, <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot about the things that can bother us about queer films the stylistic choices the character choices and man something about it is just so nice to have a nice gay movie you know like a heartwarming story like yes there are like moments of like hate crimes and people saying nasty things to people but the movie doesn't focus on that like there's a lot of fade to black that goes on when truly upsetting things are happening um and i you know it's certainly to me a better Um, a better historical picture than something like the imitation game and the normal heart is really heavy and it's just all it's all about death and it's it's really depressing so i really do think that we made the right choice in pride for 2014 but are there uh, is there a movie in that group or maybe another movie from 2014 that you that you want to highlight 
Um, I mean, Love is Strange, I think, is probably one that we could have picked as well. Um, I think, uh, but of the other ones, like, just, like, Imitation Game, like, it's one of those, like, does it even count as a queer movie? Like, I know technically it is by definition, but it's, yeah. like, so, like, straight-washed that I don't even, like, I, like, I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm no, you know, Turing scholar, so, like, I didn't even know that he was, you know, queer when I saw the film. Oh, that's such a damning, such a damning statement about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know, like, oh, he was gay? No idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so, but, and Foxcatcher, I haven't seen Foxcatcher, Fox so I... I kind of, I knew that it was like kind of queerish, but it didn't really stick out to me as like something worth talking about within this context. But I could be wrong; I haven't seen it. So, and yeah, I mean, I've definitely, I would definitely second the the idea of Love is Strange. That's one of my favorites. That's the the yeah. first movie so far in this early podcast that I'm like, oh, I wish we could cover that. But I am really glad uh, that we stuck with Brad. Foxcatcher is queerish. I guess like there's queer sub there's queer subplots going on, but it's much more of a murder mystery like kind of uh, kind of story than it is, or, or not even murder mystery, but like true crime uh, than it's really about being gay or the gay experience. So, so like there's definitely gay stuff in that movie, but I don't know that I necessarily call that a gay movie if right. that if that difference sets. Yeah, um, makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. And the other thing we usually talk about is, you know, whether queer people are involved in this movie. Um, and in terms of the writer or the director, not that I can tell. Um, of course, we never want to make vast generalizations. But I will say that the uh, the director of this movie is married and has three kids, married to a woman and has three kids. So doesn't mean that he's not bisexual or he's not queer, but certainly not, you know, not out and letting us know that he is uh and i'm not sure about the writer there's not a lot of information on his personal life which is fine a person's personal life is their personal business not ours but there's not there's not anything that like screams um queer in the creation of this movie and i think some of that shows maybe in the movie um not in a sense that it's like oh this is this is not this is not what queer life is like but it is it's the type of movie that's done in broad strokes. I think it's done very well. Um, and I think the, the moments that probably work the best are the kind of culture clash of, uh, of the people in Wales, uh, the miners and, and, and the gay folks like that stuff is what works most. Not so much like, Oh, the real, Oh, this is what the real life of a gay person in the eighties and in the UK was like, like there's some stuff there. It's kind of in the very beginning and the very end, but most of the movie is really about these two disparate groups working together. Yeah, um, I mean, I definitely agree about the when you were saying as like broad strokes. I mean, this is like exactly the kind of crowd pleaser that you know works completely well on me. <laughs> yeah, um, because it's just like there's a lot of scenes of the miners and like the gay activists like bonding and drinking and just like becoming friends and uh, and that kind of stuff. And you know, all the old women are kind of like obsessed with the gay men <laughs> and stuff. It's like. <laughs> You know, and, like, it's a very easy movie, but I think in terms of, like, how easy it is, it does it pretty well, I think, you know, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. um, like when I was reading, um, when I was reading about this, like, reading reviews of this movie on, you know, Letterboxd or whatever, I saw some comparisons to Green Book, which I want to talk about, because I think it's... Oh, interesting. I think those two, these two movies are, like, 
kind of um, two sides of the same coin of like how to like do this kind of movie well versus like disastrously <laughs> bad. You know what I okay. mean? Okay. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I definitely, uh, yeah, I definitely found this movie to like really play up the like kind of, mm, I guess what you call the like, comedy of errors or just like, you know, that kind of. Sure thing I, I think i'm using that term wrongly but or incorrectly but like that kind of thing of just like these two groups who don't know anything about each other and have a lot of prejudices and and um assumptions about each other and they're just kind of learning to work together because they like really actually need each other you know they need their support and um you know resilience i guess yeah, absolutely. And you met, you mentioned, you know, of course, the, the old ladies in, in the mining community who are probably, I mean, re- let's be real, probably the highlight of this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe the only time I've ever heard someone use the term the gays and not been offended. Like, because right. you just can't. Because they're so well-meaning. Like, even if they're using terminology that's not quite right, but their hearts are definitely in the right place. And I yeah. think nothing, nothing solidifies that more. There's a, there's a moment um, where uh, Andrew Scott's character, who is originally from close to this area mentions where he's from and they, and they completely mess with them. They're like, Oh, you could bring gays and lesbians here, but not from that village, not from that town. And then they just can't hold it in anymore. And it's a great, great moment to not only as a comedic moment, but just to show how ridiculous it is that we hold these prejudices, right. whatever they're about, whether they're about sexuality or whether they're about what village in Wales you're from. Like none of this matters. Like we're all human beings. And yes, these are really simple messages, but I, I don't think pride is necessarily a movie made for people who are out or people who are allies and supportive of the gay community. This is, this is supposed to hammer at home for people who are like people in the mining towns. You know, who, yeah. whether they have prejudices or not, some of it may just be like you're just not aware of the gay community. And the fact that in this story, I say story, but this is something that really happened in this piece of history, um, that the gay community without any prodding, without any communication, noticed that like, hey, these people are being treated just like us. And we know how terrible that feels. Yeah. So let's collect money for them. And the amount of empathy that takes, like even now sitting here in 2020, I was watching this and just kind of in awe. Like I, maybe this says something about me as a person, but I don't know that I can see myself doing that, that I could see myself being like, especially if you were gay in the 1980s where like people were dying left and right uh, and no one cared outside of that community and you're going to go to the trouble of being like hey these people are being treated like crap too let's reach out to them especially people that if you believe the stereotypes of like the kind of laborers uh in in whatever field you're not going to think like oh these are going to be people who are super friendly to queer folks but let's go anyway and it's like i was watching this like i can't believe this happened yeah yeah exactly and I, mean, I, I think that, um, you know, to kind of circle back to your point about, like, who this movie is for, like, I definitely think this movie is, like, you know, like, is definitely something that, like, people can use to, like, quote-unquote educate, you know, like, homophobic people. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's so fascinating in that way because, like, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, like... People just don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of the characters, you know, in this film, like, you know, of, like, the mining community or the the miners' union, like, they just never have seen 
gay people before or seeing them as anything other than an other, like capital O other. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what makes... I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing like that of like, you know, you you have to like come into contact with an other in order to see them as, you know, a human, which is like problematic, but honestly kind of true in a lot of ways. And like, I think this movie uh-huh. is like exactly that, you know, in, you know, thematically. And um, yeah, I mean, like the, and the, to go back to your point about like empathy and stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, it's really hard to imagine, you know, like in this era that we live in that like, people would just kind of, like, pick up the phone and be like, hey, we want to help you. And I think it's just, like, the... I mean, my guess is that in the 80s, like, you know, like, queerness was protests, and so it was just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was just, like, another way to have your voice heard, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Definitely. And, it like, the thing that wows me about this movie is that it's pretty clear from the beginning it's designed to play on your heartstrings, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no, it's not trying to be something it's not. And yet, at least for me, from the very beginning, it works. Like there is a, there's a scene in a gay nightclub uh, where uh, Patty Considine's characters uh, character, you know, goes to say thank you. And like, it's amazing to have that moving a moment so early. Yeah. He doesn't have to be convinced that gay people are good and that, their money is worthy for the cause that they're fighting for. And this, he gives this whole speech about like that. It's not just about money. It's about like essentially like being in a battle and finding out that you have, you have a friend yeah. who's been there with you the whole time. And you didn't even know it. And like, I watched it and I've like, I've watched this movie three times. And like when that part came up, like I started tearing up again. Cause that it's, it's an interesting choice for a movie to essentially give you its thoughts on everything within the first what like 20 minutes of the movie because that's that's really the message other people have to get to that point uh that this character gets to very quickly and it's it's a really interesting process in that he's there so early so he has to go back and kind of relearn his old mining culture and convince them to just have basic empathy for another human. Right. Uh, but this, like, honestly, it just, like, fires on all cylinders from the very beginning. Of course, you have the, like, the Bill Nye subplot where he eventually comes out. And it, it, there's a wonderful moment near the end of the movie where, like, you know, his, his you know, old lady friend is like, yeah, uh, we all know. Like, I've known for 30 years. And it's such <laughs> and it. And it's a moment that could be played and he could be angry, but I like that. And that's Bill Nye's character in this whole movie. Cliff is just kind of takes it in and kind of, kind of smirks like, Oh, all right. Well, I guess that's, I guess that's the way things are, you know? And there's just so many happy, good moments. And I think, I think one of the things that the, the movie does that's really smart is have our character played by George Mackey, um, uh, Bromley, um, whose name is actually Joe Cooper, um, who's completely made up. Uh, he's a literally an audience surrogate, um, but I think it's a really smart decision um, to have essentially kind of a coming out story from this young man. But his job is to kind of show you the world. It's, he's being thrown into it, and you're being thrown in. It's an old filmmaking trick, but there's a reason it's an old trick. Like this just always works to have this audience surrogate, and he just has this like innocent young face that you're just like okay 
I could believe that he doesn't know any of this stuff. Um, yeah. So him to get thrown into the LGSM from the very beginning, and we're thrown into it too, and we have to catch up while he catches up. And I really like that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of the audience surrogate you know, character archetype because I just feel it's so like condescending. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need that like point of view. I mean, I don't, I guess maybe I, I don't need to sound like haughty or whatever, but like, I don't need that to like have everything like explained to me. Like, um, like I feel like I can, I feel like most audience members are maybe not actually, but like, I feel like some people, <laughs> I was gonna say, I think you're giving major audiences maybe a little too much credit. <laughs> you and I watch yeah, a lot of movies. So that's we have, true. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Is, and we also watch a lot of movies about not- people who like, don't look like us, you know, like we're <laughs> yes. like more adventurous. Yeah. yeah. And this is not to be like, oh, we know so much more. But the more movies you watch, the kind of less you need the handholding. But if you watch yeah. like three or four movies later and you're straight and don't know any gay people, like you might need a little handholding yeah, to kind yeah. of bring you into. The- and like to be fair, like this whole movie is like handholding the movie, right? Like it's so like broad, but like it's just so like earnest that like I can't I can't fault it for all of its sort of broad strokes because it's just like. Like, what am I going to, like, sit here and give this movie, like, one star because it's, you know, not subtle? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. it's just so... Yes. Yeah. I, I think I think that's what brings it over the top for me, actually, yeah. is that earnestness. It's, yeah. Because there's a difference between being a broad strokes movie that holds your hand and a broad strokes movie that holds your hand and fucking means it. Like, every word of this movie, like, you can tell the writer of this movie meant it, and it was an important story, and it's a story that's not often told um, that needs to be told. That it, You know, I watch it, and as a person who can be, let's face it, a little bit cynical about the <laughs> world at large and, like, you know, especially given the times we're living in now, it's so nice to see a story like this where like people just help one another. Yeah. Like there's like a couple, you know, kind of stereotypically evil characters that are in this movie uh, that live in this mining town. But in general, most of them, as long as they get a kick in the pants from some old lady, they're like, okay, yeah, that's a good point. Everything's fine. We can learn this. You know, and everyone's so, and it's so nice to see a story like this where it's like, yeah, you know, we're not that different and we can help out one another. And I like the fact that they still didn't tone down the 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 kind of stereotypical gayness of some of these characters. Whether yeah. you're talking about makeup or costume or drag queens, it would be very it's easier to make a movie about gay straight relationships and just be like, well, look, they're just like us. Right. They're normal. Yeah. Gay people are like us. It's fine. And I like that there's a little bit in the beginning where they're kind of like, yeah, maybe tone it down the first time we meet them. We're not really ready for that. But even the first meeting in the um, in the gay nightclub, you know, Patty Considine, he has some line about like, yeah, it's, you know, just like the parties we have, but the, the women are prettier here. You know, and he's pointing out the drag queens and here. And it's all like just so well-meaning that yeah. it really does, even a cynical viewer like me, it does take me by surprise and just win me over within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. So, I, OK, yeah, I was just going to ask you about, you know, what your thoughts on like the movie and its like queerness. You can't see me right now, but I had this like huge smile on my face just remembering that scene. Cause it's just like, you know, like it's just so like nice. And like I like movies about nice people. And like I'm like the opposite of a cynical cynic. Like I like this kind of stuff, like even a bad version of this, like totally works on me. 
So, like, when a movie like this that's, like, really just, like, so, like, like competently made and, like, professionally done and, like, with, like, characters who, like, jump off the screen, you know, like, like you know, Patty and Bill Nighy and Imelda Staunton and, you know, like, they just are so, like, you know, like, vivacious and vibrant that you just, like, want to, like, hang around them. And, like, I like that this movie is, like, so queer in, like... It. I mean, it's not, like, as queer as, like, you know, a more, like, um, like, underground kind of, like, indie film would be, but, like, I mean, definitely, sure. like, you know, like, these, these, you know, the gay, the, the gay characters in this film are, like, you know, they're loud, they're sexual, they're funny, they're, you know, they drink, they, you know, they dance, they, like, they, like, have all that, have all those, like, qualities that, like, make, like, when... Like, I don't know, I feel like, like, being, like, partying with, like, queer people is just, like, more fun, because there's, like, less inhibitions about, like, um, like, uh, gender roles or, like, all that kind of stuff, where, like, there's just, like, less of a, like, line, like, the line is just very, like, blurred, and so, uh-huh. and, like, I like that the straight men, like, the minors, like, they're just so, like, they kind of just, like, gel with it after, you know, they may have their little, like, you know, he hemming and hawing about it, but they're just like, yeah, we're just hanging out, and it's, like, not a big deal, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie is, like, I think this is a good, like, parents movie, <laughs> like, Yes, yes. And absolutely. in a way that I don't mean, to, like, condescendingly, like, I genuinely think that, like, I, I'm surprised I haven't told my parents to watch this, although I feel like the accents might throw them off, because, like, sometimes <laughs> they, like, threw me off a little. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, another scene I just love is um, um, the scene where... Um, like, they're having a fun... I'm trying to remember, like, exactly, like, what the event was, but... I mean, I guess it's just, like, the general scenes of, like, the minors, you know, kind of sticking up for the, um... For the for the queer activists, like, when, like, other people are mm-hmm. being more homophobic. And you see that, like, general, um... Like, the growth there. And what I want to talk yeah. to you about is, like, I feel like in this movie, the... It's like the, like I mean, we always talk about in movies like this where like the emotional labor has to come from the marginalized characters. Like they have to one that that who are like, okay, you know, we have to understand because like this is how they are, and we just have to take it. <laughs> but I feel like in this movie, like it's the miners' union who like does the most like growth in terms of that. Like they have to like rise up to the level of the the queer activists. I mean, did you get that sense that it's like Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's definitely true. It's something yeah. that took me by surprise the first time I watched this because I kept waiting for the scene where one of the gay characters has to has to plead for their humanity. Yeah. You know? Has to has to tell the miners, no, look, we're trying to do this nice thing and we're just like you. And that never happens. That comes from like the Amelda Staunton and the Bill Nye and the Patty Considine characters. Yeah. They're the ones doing the work. And you know, that was such such a refreshing thing to see. And I think the film does a great job of building that up because there is there's a scene with one actor we haven't mentioned yet who is Dominic West, who is wonderful in this movie, oh, by Dominic the way. West. Uh and 
it's so surprising because he usually plays this guy. He usually plays this, like not necessarily evil characters, but kind of these ratty, like kind of like you're not sure if you can trust him characters, like in yeah. The Wire and 300 and that kind of stuff. So it was such a delight to see him just like having a good time. Um, but when they first go to this mining community, you know, he's the one who kind of is having a poor reaction. Like, I don't want to tone down my gayness. Like, I shouldn't have to. And I kept waiting for him to have to be the one to, like, stand up and make a speech. But instead, they're like, no, we're just going to have you have a good time and dance. Uh, And that's going to be the thing that ties you to these people, like having a good time, not having to, like, give them a treatise on gay rights. Like, and I love it's interesting for a movie that's so broad strokes, it would fit in a movie like this to have that moment. Yeah. To have you know, the big speech and they never go there. And I actually really respect that they don't because the worst thing a movie like this can be is preachy and it's going to make your audience gay, straight, whatever tune out. And it never makes that error, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I mean, like that's the mistake. Well, one of the mistakes that green book makes, um, in that, Mm -hmm. like there is that scene where Maharshali is like, Hey, like, you know, um, I'm a person or whatever. <laughs> and like, he's, he's the one that has to do that, that, that kind of labor. And he's the one that is, you know, shown, you know, handcuffed and whatever. And it's like, um, and like, and I feel like in, in this, in pride, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a kind of thing where like, if that scene had been in the movie, I mean, I might've rolled my eyes, but it wouldn't have phased me. But the fact that it's not in the movie, like makes this movie like elevated so much in my mind because it's like yeah like I mean because the thing is that like these activists are the ones who like extended the olive branch of their own volition you know there was no like there's no there's no point where the miners had to be like hey you know we're human we deserve our rights you know this is the right thing to do like you know the queer activists were just like hey we're gonna do this and the to their credit the the union the uh, the miners union they stepped up and they are like. You know, they are, you know, they accepted the help and they are, you know, learning to be, have a less narrow view of the, you know, of the world. I've had a lot of new experiences during the strike, um, speaking in public, standing on a picket line, and now I'm in a, a gay bar. Well, if you don't like it, you can go home. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do like it. Beer's a bit expensive, mine. But really, there's only one difference between this and a bar in South Wales. The women. They're a lot more feminine in here. What I'd really like to say to you tonight is thank you. If you're one of the people that's put money in these buckets... If you've supported LGSM, then thank you. Because what you've given us is more than money, it's friendship. When you're in a battle against an enemy so much bigger, so much stronger than you, but to find out you had a friend you never knew existed, well, that's the best feeling in the world. So thank you. You know, the other thing that separates this from travesties like Green Book um, is that it doesn't 
put forth the idea that like everything is solved, you know, like not that green book has like credits that saying, and racism was over. It certainly doesn't do that, but it is meant to instill this like, Oh, that's nice feeling for better or for worse. I know some people that really like that movie because it does leave that, leave them with that sense of warmth and happiness. But I like that in the end credits here, you get a little bit of both. You get the sweet with the sour for sure. Like you have all this discussion about uh, the fact that like gay rights were voted for in these unions because of the miners union. And that's really nice. And it shows like some people have done really well and some people have like moved on in activism. But then it also talks about, you know, that one of these one of these characters were falling was like the the second person to uh, get diagnosed with HIV in, in Great Britain. And he died soon after and our one of our lead characters like yes he went on to go and do more work uh in this same vein but he died at like 27 years old you know so these are the things that it kind of hammers home that like just because the miners responded well and this situation ended well doesn't mean that the work is over it doesn't mean that everything is solved and i like that it doesn't shy away from that it shies away from it in the sense that it's not out to be grief porn. It's not out to show you like there is one character that gets that gets beaten and has to go to the hospital and they don't show any of that. All they show is him being followed and him turning around and then fade to black and then you get the aftermath of it later. And not even in a way where it's like, oh, here's the gruesome injuries. It's just like our friend is in the hospital. We have to go see him. And that's it. And I kind of like that because it's not that kind of movie. Like this isn't boys don't cry. This isn't, you know, it's not out to like really go for the jugular like that. It's out to tell a simple story and tell it well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to also bring up um, like the soundtrack of the film um, <laughs> because it's just like just like so many so many great songs on there um, and um, you know the other oh the other thing I wanted to bring up is um, the the comparing this film to uh, BPM beats per minute mm-hmm. um, because I think both films are very similar but extremely different uh you know like this you know pride is very crowd pleasing and very formulaic i guess and kind of pitched (laughs) to the to the middle but um you know bpm is a very challenging movie i mean it's longer and it's you know formally more um uh inventive and less kind of you know playing to that you know the play the like rule book of kind of these I mean, this isn't a Hollywood film, but like that kind of Hollywood um, thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, did you have any thoughts on this film and BPM? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting because um, you can you can make the same not even the same kind of movie, but movies that cover the same ground, and it's so cool to see how different yeah. movies like that can be. You know, and it's it's interesting because, you know, little kind of behind the scenes, like in preparation for all these recordings, I kind of like mainlined all these gay movies. Right. Like all in a row. Uh, And it was interesting to me because I think sometimes when you when you watch movies that are all one thing, supposedly, it can feel like, oh, no more of that. I'm done with that for a while. But because of the variety of movies that we are watching on this podcast, I didn't get that feeling. Even when you watch like eight of these movies in three or four days, it's still like there is a variety of stories and a variety of styles to tell these stories. And I think, you know, something like Pride and something like BPM could not be more different in terms of 
in terms of formula, in terms of style, in terms of the way they tell the story. But in some ways, they also do tell some similar stories. And I think it's really interesting to kind of compare and contrast them. BPM is certainly more uh, more self-serious, I guess. It's yeah. more out to like really hammer the story home, whereas this is designed to be a four-quadrant crowd-pleaser. You know, yeah. so they tell they tell very different stories. But you mentioned the music and the music here is great. It's so quintessentially 80s. Like yeah. even if you've never if you didn't live through the 80s, like people like you, I'm sure, who are children and did not live through much of the 80s, you can still listen to the soundtrack and be like, oh, my God, this is the 80s. Yeah. And not in a way that's silly or in a way that's overdone. It's not just like playing the hits, but it does a really nice job, not only of being a great soundtrack and a lot of fun to listen to, but really setting the stage and the context. Yeah. Yeah, um, just FYI, I was alive for about seven months of the 80s, so... Oh, seven uh, whole months, more than half a year. Yeah. Impressive. Impressive. Um, I'll I'll never make that joke again. (laughs) So sorry. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, this movie is very joyous, but... At the same time, like this movie doesn't shy away from like infighting within the within either of the groups, and yeah. that I I always appreciate that. I mean, I you know would not want to watch a movie about you know the kind of a, a monolith of a group that is always getting along and has always on the same page. I mean, of course, there's no conflict there, but like it would be easy, I think, to you know shy away from kind of infighting between the groups just because. Like, oh, you want to present this as a successful group that always got along and, you know, could always, you know, um, figure things out together and problem mm-hmm. solve, whatever. But here there's a lot of infighting. There's even some people leaving the group. And, uh, yeah, so I just, I, I mean, that's one, I mean, like, um, that's one part that really reminded me of BPM because BPM has, like, mm-hmm. harrowing scenes of infighting within, you know, the ACT UP organization. That it's yeah. almost hard to watch because there's just there's just no answer for any of these problems. Someone just has to acquiesce. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I just I just found these characters, you know, to be so human and so real that, like, mm-hmm. however, you know, quote unquote manipulative the filmmaking is, like, it just didn't feel that way because, like, these are just you know three dimensional characters, even if they're kind of more broadly painted. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea that neither of these groups are, as you said, a monolith. Right. I think what probably could have been done better, there is, you know, one one of our main characters in the in the gay group eventually splits off and has just had enough because things don't work out the way that he wanted them to. I wish, I don't know, I kind of wish there had been a little more work to bring him back into the fold. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this movie, he just kind of shows up and is like, hey, I'm back. And they're like, yeah grab some markers and make a sign and everything's fine. And they kind of wrap it up. And of course it's, this is not meant to be a movie. This is two and a half hours long. This should never be like more than two hours. It's really that type of crowd pleasing movie. But I wish there was like maybe one more scene of him having to work a little bit harder to get back to the group. But that is, you know, that's a small complaint and it's, you know, in some ways it's definitely not that kind of movie. It's not out to like be this like melodrama about this group fracturing and coming back together like they did need him to come back together i think the one of the things that really hit me in kind of re-watching this is not only the power of having allies that are a part of 
a group that's maybe not as marginalized as you, because no matter what the miners had to deal with, they're straight people are not as marginalized as queer people. That's just a fact uh, throughout history. Um, and it really hammers home, <coughs> excuse me, it really hammers home this idea of strength in numbers. At the very end of the movie, at the at the Pride event, um, the organizers at one point say, like, no, no, you can't be at the front. you got to be in the fringe groups because we're not doing politics anymore. It's gotten too much into politics. And what changes that isn't people arguing the point. It isn't people being on the right side of history. Yeah. It's numbers. It's like these busloads of people. Like, okay, you can't be a fringe group anymore. There's too many of you, so now you have to lead the parade. And that is a, that's a really powerful moment that, like, yeah. not only more people, but people you would not expect. It's one thing to take money. It's, an, it's one thing to be like, yeah, they're okay with us. It's another thing to show up en masse to a pride event and march with them side by side. Like, that is... That's impressive. And that's, that's a moment in the movie yeah. that kind of always gets me. That's allyship, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yes. it would be so unfortunately understandable if, you know, the, the miners union was like, okay, thanks, and but we're not going to show up for you. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, like, honestly, it's like I could hope that if that happened in real life and, you know, I would totally be like, well, that's annoying, but that's life. But, like... The fact that they like actually showed up and was like put their you know put their money where their mouth is right like they're just yeah. um, you know they're 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 yeah they're supporting and in a real way that actually means something beyond just kind of opaque um, platitudes about like oh we support mm-hmm. you yeah yeah and it also hammers home the point here that the reason this was done in the first place was not to get something in return yeah the you know this group never asked the miners hey we showed up for you you need to show up for us you know it was like we just think what's happening to you is wrong so here's some financial support here's some emotional support and then it's nice that every once in a while in human history (laughs) that gets repaid you know, and it's a really nice moment. And it's done in a way that, like, I wasn't necessarily expecting that moment. I was like, okay, now, now we're moving on. Now we're gay pride. Okay. And then when this, you know, these busloads of minors shows up, it is really powerful. And I think this movie is just like, you can say it's manipulative. You can say it's broad strokes. And all of that is true. But there, sometimes it's done really well. Like, and, and it's okay to have a movie that has simple goals but achieves them kind of expertly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. Yeah, I mean, I just can't. It's like hard to articulate because it just. I feel like I'm just gonna like repeat <laughs> myself of like how this movie is just so inspiring and, and you know, it, like you know, it might not be this like challenging piece of art, but it serves a purpose and it, I think it achieves its goals. You know, well well enough that it's. A movie I can easily recommend to anyone, honestly. Like, I, I really don't. I mean, I have things I could probably pick apart if I wanted to, but so I actually don't really want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Yes. It's like, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, we're going to kind of wrap up here. Um, first, we'll talk about the Russo test, as we always do. The Russo test, as a reminder, contains a character that is identifiably queer, and that character must not be defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, and they must be tied to the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant effect. Um, and I think it depends uh, which character you're talking about, right? Like, I'm glad that this test does not identify, like, oh, it's the protagonist. Because, like, really, 
probably the protagonist of this movie in some ways is our George Mackay character, um, who's our audience surrogate. And he is pretty much just defined by his sexual identity. Like, there's not much more to him. You have a little bit with his relationship with his parents, but it's really about his journey into the gay community. But I think if you expand it to all these characters, there are, of course, many queer characters. And I, I think there's at least a couple of them who aren't solely defined by their sexuality. It's not as if, even though they are gay activists, I don't think there's any characters in here who are like, oh, well, that's just all they are is gay. Like, you do get a sense into their interior lives. Um, and many of these queer characters, I think, um, if you remove them, it would definitely have a significant effect. The gay characters are kind of the engine of this movie. They are what's pushing the action forward. Yeah, I mean, I think just by virtue of them being activists who are, you know, reaching out to this other group, I think that shows more to their character than just being, you know, gay people, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree that I think it passes with flying colors. I mean, how could, I mean, the thing is that there are just so many queer characters that there's no way they're right. all, you know what I mean? Like, it's the kind of thing we were yes. talking about um, when we were talking about Stranger by the Lake. It's that, like, there are so many queer characters that, like, they're not, they're, they're just, like, defined by other things just by, just because they, I mean, they kind of have to be in order to, for it to be, like, a you know, a viable film. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just in terms of chances and numbers, it's going to happen for sure. Uh, So let's end with kind of like what we think we've learned from pride um, in terms of gay film, in terms of, in terms of anything. And for me, it's kind of, you know, it was, it was kind of surprising to watch this again because, you know, I told you I was going to rewatch it because if I had to talk about it, it's been a while since I've seen it. And I would have just been like, it's nice. It's a nice movie. Yeah. Um, and, and it definitely still is. But I think it has a lot. It has a lot to tell us about the empathy of people and the, the power that has when you exercise empathy without expectation. Um, yeah. Because I think this is this is such a different movie, and I don't know. Of course, I don't know the real story. I haven't done a ton of research on it. But I think if you tell this story in a way that's like, we did something nice for you, now quid pro quo, like, come on, give us something back. I think it's a totally different story, and I think the way they tell it really, really just drives the point home of like that doing a good thing for other people is kind of its own reward, and anything you anything else you get after that is just extra. It's just yeah. frosting. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, um, I always like to think of, like, queer cinema in terms of, you know, how much is it actually overriding sort of the patriarchal notions of, you know, mainstream filmmaking? Um, Mm. And because I I mean, for me, like, as much as I love, you know, mainstream film and even mainstream queer cinema, like, whenever I watch a queer film, I kind of look for ways that it can challenge that challenge the norms that we are so used to and see what what they're doing differently that you know just because i I mean i think queerness of course in its own is a challenge to patriarchy um but i but i think with this film I, i think it shows a way to do that standard you know normal raid type filmmaking and i mean not to take away from normal raid i mean that that's a great film but like you know, inspiring and moving, and everyone is, you know, th- you know, throwing their fists in the air in solidarity, like that kind of <laughs> thing. Like a, a queer film can do that, and 
you know, have play by play by the numbers and do everything right and still be, you know, a an interesting film, be a challenge to the, to like patriarchal filmmaking and also I mean, as much as like we kind of talk about like we want to see queer people in front of and behind the camera, like I think this movie is a very like respectful and you know, authentic portrayal of queerness even if it's, you know, directed by an ostensibly straight straight man. I mean, there are some queer actors in the film, so I, mean, you know, I think that's probably has something to do with it, and the fact that you know it's just these all these characters are so three dimensional that it would just feel authentic regardless, just because the characters are so well drawn and well performed. Yeah, absolutely. Could not say it any better. All right, so that is it um, for our episode on Pride. Uh, the next episode, we are taking kind of a hard turn uh, into, you know, something maybe a little less four-quadrant crowd-pleaser, and we are going to talk about kind of the new classic Carol. Um, so that's that's our next episode in a couple weeks. So uh, until then, uh, Manish, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Manish eighty nine. That's T H E M A N I S H eight nine. Also, my podcast uh, it pod to be you, which you can find on Twitter at it pod to be you, and also whenever wherever you can find your podcasts. Absolutely, and of course, you can find our show on Twitter as well uh, at Queer and Now Pod. And if you just can't get enough of my voice for some horrible reason, you can check out my other podcast, um, a podcast directed by, and that's at Directed by Pod. And the last thing to mention is to check out Talk Film Society, as this, this is a Talk Film Society podcast, and you can find lots of other podcasts and lots of great film writing there. So go ahead and check that out. And I-